0: Hello, and welcome to the Sam Fiction and Fantasy Fun Podcast. This is episode seven of the Witcher chapter-by-chapter chapter book review, where I'll go through a summary of what happened in the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today, I'll be discussing chapter seven of book one, The Last Wish. And chapter seven is the final chapter of The Last Wish. So this episode wraps up book one, which is uh, pretty crazy. Uh, I mean, it's not crazy, but it's it's seven such a small number, but I feel really good about this because when I started, I was excited to get started with this podcast series, but I honestly wasn't sure how it was going to go. I knew that it was going to take a lot of time and preparation in order to get ready for each episode because I needed to write out these. Based on how I wanted to do this, I needed to write out these summaries and write out notes. So I have talking points on the chapter. I needed to read each chapter many times. And even though I love reading and I'm a really big book reader, I don't read that fast. (laughs) I actually read pretty slow. But uh, I'm seven episodes in with this one and I am loving this. So if you are listening and you've been listening to all of them so far, uh, you are a true homie and I really do appreciate that because this is, um, as, as challenging as it is, uh, it's actually a lot of fun and I'm really enjoying it. So if you're enjoying this too, then that makes me really, really happy. So I, I thank you. Uh, so sorry to get kind of sappy there. I didn't mean that. <laughs> I didn't mean to go there, uh, uh, in order to get away from the sappiness, I'm just going to dive in, I guess. So for this episode, for chapter seven, it's just the voice of reason. Uh, There's no short story. Um, I'm sure that you're familiar with this if you're listening, but just to catch you up in case you're not, The Last Wish and also the next book in this this series of Witcher books, um, it's called Sword of Destiny. They're both a collection of short stories and The Last Wish is interspersed with these um, chronological chapters that are all called the voice of reason. So the final chapter of this book is just that. So there's not going to be a short story that we're going to be talking about in this episode, and it's actually really short. So I I mean, you already can tell by looking at the amount of time that (laughs) this episode is, I guess, depending on where you're watching. I think, I think on Spotify and Apple podcast, it, it shows the length from when you go to click on it but YouTube I know it's like right there you can see that easily so you already know that this is a very short episode compared to the other ones and I'm just starting it and I already know that because my notes are very minimal compared to how they normally are but uh it is what it is it's just the nature of this chapter it's it's short and I figured and I did I did mention this towards the end of the last episode that I would dedicate some time, because this is such a short chapter, to talking about the book as a whole, since we're wrapping up The Last Wish. I honestly don't have a whole lot of notes on the book as a whole. I figured I just spent the past six episodes, and now seven, discussing this book in great detail. So I don't want to be too repetitive, but I do have some notes. Like We are going to talk about the book as a whole a little bit. It's probably going to go fast, though. Um, Yeah, without further ado, um, I'm going to give you a recap of the last episode in case you missed it or you need a refresher. Then we'll dive into the summary and then we'll talk about the chapter. So we last left off with Geralt having having a discussion with Neneke about Yennefer in The Voice of Reason. They talk about how she, as a sorceress, is infertile but seeks to have this reversed through some expensive procedure, although Neneke believes it to be moot. She asks Geralt to stay and to allow Iola to perform the trance she's brought up in previous chapters, but he will not agree. As the chapter's voice of reason wraps up, Neneke asks Geralt how he and Yennefer met, which segues into the short story, The Last Wish. In The Last Wish, Geralt meets Yennefer for the first time, seeking her magical help to heal Dandelion after he was just strangled by a djinn he pulled out of a river while he and Geralt were fishing. She's successful in healing Dandelion, but as payment, she places Geralt under a spell and sends him through the town to punish those who have recently tried to ruin her reputation, which lands Geralt in a cell. Geralt is later brought before the town's mayor and a priest. To explain the situation, while Dandelion suddenly enters the room through a magic portal sent by Yennefer to proclaim his third and final wish, that everyone believed Geralt to be innocent. Meanwhile, Yennefer is in a nearby building where she lured the djinn to try and capture it. It is now that Geralt and the priest realize that Geralt was the one with the wishes, not Dandelion, and as long as he hasn't made his last wish, Yen will not be able to capture the djinn and it will probably kill her in the process. Geralt returns to help Yen, which he does by making his last wish that was something along the lines of his and Yen's fate being found, and the story ends with the two safe from the djinn and in a remarkably romantic embrace. All right, so here comes the summary of chapter seven. While Geralt and Dandelion are venturing from the temple to a nearby town, they're ambushed by lancers and knights of the White Rose. The dispute between Geralt and the Knights of the White Rose has finally come to a head. Falwick and the captain of Hereward's Guard, a dwarf named Dennis Cranmer, explain to Geralt that he must duel with Talus or he'll be hanged. Along with the threat, the rules are quite unreasonable. The duel isn't to the death, but until one is rendered helpless and Geralt is not allowed to hit Talus with his sword, for if he does, he'll be punished. Dennis explains that he's following orders to the letter and that if Geralt does not comply, he and his men will have to fight the Witcher and there will be bloodshed. Geralt agrees to the duel and wins, while also managing to avoid punishment by parrying Talus's sword in a way that causes the inexperienced Talus to hit himself in the face with his own weapon. Falwick orders the men to take Geralt, but because Dennis is a stickler and Geralt did not strike the boy himself, he allows him to go free. Falwick and Dennis both advise that Geralt leave Elander immediately, to which Geralt agrees. Before going, he threatens to kill Falwick if he ever bothers the temple or intrudes on Captain Cranmer. Geralt and Dandelion head back to the temple to say farewell and to retrieve Geralt's things before setting off. While handing Geralt a chest filled with the elixirs recently replenished by Neneke, Geralt and Iola's hands make contact and a vision ensues where there's shouting, lots of blood, and death. The girl has an attack resembling a seizure, but is brought to by Neneke. Because of what they just saw, Neneke pleads with Geralt not to leave, but he says he's already seen it before, plus there's no point looking over your shoulder. True. Neneke sadly accepts his decision, and Geralt and Dandelion head out on the road. One of my first reactions to this chapter is the White Rose is such BS. <laughs> the dueling rules. They're just so convenient, and they've got no shame in how obvious that is. And it's just, it's such a type of person, you know, I feel like that's, that's somebody that everybody knows, like, every, everybody knows somebody that's like that, that just, they don't care, they, 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 they don't care how obvious it is that they're just full of crap, that it's like, oh, yeah, this obviously doesn't make any sense. This is logically so stupid, but it's I don't I don't care if you even notice that if you point it out, whatever, like it's, it's going to go my way or or I don't know, <laughs> it's things are just going to go my way. So oh, they they are very infuriating people. So I'm really glad that it went the way that it did. But we've come to learn that it is not easy to best a Witcher, or at least, at the very least, Geralt. Geralt? He's really quite clever. Uh, I wonder what would have happened, though, if he submitted and let Talus render him helpless. Uh, I mean, I'm glad that he didn't. Um, Those guys were, they're just so awful, and it's really great that they were dealt with by the book's end. And that's something that we don't have to worry about Falwick and Talos again in the future, probably not at least. But I do wonder how that would have went if he didn't have that clever trick up his sleeve and didn't manage to make it so that Talus would strike himself in the face and Geralt would technically be able to get away with you know, not rendering Talus helpless. Talos technically renders himself helpless. I, I would just be curious to see what would have went. Or how that would have went if he allowed Talos to render him helpless. I, yeah. I, I mean, I can't imagine a scenario where that could have gone where Geralt would just roll over and let somebody take advantage of him like that. But I think that's probably why it didn't go that way because he's just not that type of person at all. Anyway, so that prophecy, the vision, Iola's vision. She saw death. I would like to know whose. I think we're intentionally not told whose because that would just give too much away. Um, but it's it's pretty scary. Uh, it definitely leaves us wondering what's going to happen. She saw lots of blood. So there was a lot of violence going on. I really wonder where that's going. Um, one thing I wanted to mention <laughs> was that Neneke was clearly wrong. So she kept trying to convince Geralt to undergo this trance, and he denied it repeatedly. She would say when she was arguing for allowing um, Geralt, or when she was trying to convince Geralt to let Iola do this, she kept saying, Iola's ready. She's ready. She wasn't ready. (laughs) We just found that out uh, when they did this um, unintentional, trance vision thing that um she clearly was not in a position where she could have been doing that yet I don't know if it's because she wasn't uh trained up as much as she should have been I don't know the ins and outs of how that stuff works we're not it's never explained to us but she, if if she's gonna touch his hand for a second and then have a seizure and it seems like she almost died like Nanica had to use some form of magic to bring her back, you know, to, you know, to make her okay. And I mean, if Neneke wasn't there, like she might've actually died in that situation. So yeah, she, she wasn't ready. So Neneke was wrong. I don't mean to, uh, slander Neneke though because she's obviously really great, but it's, it, it's, it's, kind of an example. It goes to show that even people who are very wise the really good characters and stories, they're not always right. All right. Well, unfortunately, those are all the notes I had to talk about that chapter. That was really fast, just like I knew it was going to be, but it's not, there's not really a lot to go off of there. Um, so for the last wish book, uh, there's a few common things like, uh, now that we have read the whole book, we've gone through the entire story. There's some, um, there's some things that you can pull out of it that, are pretty interesting. Like, Geralt's got himself a decent little community. Uh, he's got neneke he's got Dandelion. He now kind of has Yennefer, although they're not really on good terms at the moment. But there are a lot of rude, bad, prejudiced people in this world. But with all the shade that gets thrown at him, he still does gain respect. So we had people like King Foltest from the first story, who I mean, he definitely had his own issues, don't get me wrong, but he was kind of chill, and he showed Geralt respect. Uh, Nivellen, you know, they they got off on the wrong foot, and then they both warmed up to each other. Um, trying, I'm going through each story here, each short story. Um, there wasn't really anyone by the end of um, The Lesser Evil. Geralt, in fact, lost the respect of people by the end of that story. Um, some people that he didn't even know in the first place. But people like Caldamene, the um, alderman of Blaviken, they were buddies. And by the end of that story, uh, he was banishing Geralt from Blaviken. So that story doesn't really prove what I'm, the point that I'm trying to make right now. But um, Queen Calanthe, she started out pretty pretty harsh, but she came around and she was pretty respectful towards Geralt by the end of that story. Uh, there was also Tork and Filivandrel. Neither of them were fond of Geralt when they met him, but... They were nice to him when, well, I guess when Phil Evandrel parted ways with Geralt. And then Tork and Geralt were still together at the end of the story. And they were traveling together. And then you also have Chariadin, um, who he started out respectful towards Geralt. He, well, there was no issue there. Uh, I think he was just a nice guy. But, yeah, I mean, like some of these people, they were just cool. But some realized that Geralt was a good guy after getting to know him a little. And I think that that was pretty cool. Because... He he is a hero. You know, he, he does some pretty cool things. And it's it's nice to see that some people are actually able to recognize this as opposed to uh a lot of the people in this world who are just kind of uh trying to avoid using bad words. <laughs> they're just rude, okay? That's that's a good way to describe them. A lot of people are just flat out rude. They're they're just not kind people. They're not good people. But yeah, Geralt does get some respect. And that's nice. Another common thread, this is kind of a small one, but we learn that witchers are these monster hunters. They're basically, you know, these paid assassins. They're sent out to kill monsters who are interfering with the lives of the innocent or you know, killing innocent people. That's not all there is to it. There's a lot more to it than that. And one of those things is that because witchers have these magic powers, they're able to lift curses. And we did see that in this book a few times. So the very first story, we see the probably most prominent example of that was with the Striga. He was able to lift the curse from the Striga and she turned back into a 14-year-old princess I don't know if you could even say she turned back into one because I don't think she necessarily ever was a human. She was conceived by two humans, but I think she was cursed while she was still in the womb either way. It's neither here nor there. He reversed that spell. And then there was also Nivellen. He assisted with that. There was Dooney. He assisted with that. So a witcher is a good person to have around. And that's another reason why it's odd that witchers get thrown so much shade. But uh, maybe, we'll, uh, maybe we'll get a better understanding of why that is in the future because it's something that doesn't really add up totally at this point. Maybe like a little bit, but not really. I think we should get a better explanation. I, th- I don't think it's as simple as people suck. But anyway, so Geralt has a lot of difficulty with decision making. I mean, don't we all, but he has these internal conflicts with choosing to help people or not. And according to the Witcher's Code, he's not really supposed to do anything more than what his job demands. So he's not supposed to get involved in human affairs or politics or play at being a knight errant. And he actually does this pretty regularly. Uh, In The Lesser Evil, that story is like an example within itself about, you know, having to choose between staying neutral or getting involved. And if you do get involved, what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the lesser evil? Like, is the lesser evil really the lesser evil? Um But then you also have a question of price. You know, he explains that he's not a hired thug. He explains that to the queen. And then when the queen sets her guards on Dooney, he interferes and he tries to save him. Um, I kind of in The Last Wish, not necessarily, I don't think that that's supposed to be a theme within that story, but it's definitely something that Geralt is, it's it's a challenge for him trying to make these decisions. Um, there's also an example in um, one of the Voice of Reason sections where he's talking to Iola. It's actually where we get to learn a lot about Geralt and Witchers. Uh, he does the most talking. We see him do in the whole book in that Uh, in just those few pages uh, he explains that witchers are not supposed to get involved but the very first quote-unquote monster that he handled after his witcher training was actually a man who was trying to force himself on a young girl and he killed that man so it's just something that comes up a lot and I think that that is going to be a common theme in the upcoming stories and the upcoming series of books it's possible that that's not the case, but I think that it's highlighted as frequently and as prominently as it is in the story for a reason. Um, he also says in this final story in chapter seven, the um, chapter that we're discussing now kind of, uh, he says to Neneke when he's leaving right before the whole thing happens with Iola that it's better in the long run to look out for others. So I don't know if that is so much him just kind of saying like, oh yeah, like, uh, like she says, look out for yourself. He's like, eh, it's better to look out for others. Or like, I don't know. I don't know if that's more him talking about his profession, uh, you know, because witchers are in a way supposed to protect the innocent from monsters, but not necessarily to be a good person, to be like a knight errant, but just to get paid. Like it's about money. But or it also, what I'm thinking is maybe he says that, and he says that in the very final chapter of the book, because he is kind of accepting that he is the type of person that is going to want to help people and get involved in human affairs in order to protect the innocent beyond just making money. So I don't know. That might be how you're supposed to interpret it. I'm not 100% sure on that, but... If that's the case, then it's possible that maybe we're not supposed to expect him to have this continued, um, conflicting decision-making in upcoming books, in the upcoming books. Uh, I guess we'll find out though. Uh, we are about to move into the next book and in the next episode, we will be on sort of destiny. So we're going to get closer to some of these answers soon. Uh, more questions though, um, as I wrap this up, hopefully we've seen the last we'll see from the Order of the White Rose. I really don't think we will hear from Falwick or Talos at the very least, because Geralt clearly handled Talus sufficiently and he scared the crap out of Falwick with his threat. Falwick had nothing to say to him when Geralt told him, like, that you, you know, you better not come around anymore, um, to like, you better not bother the priestesses at the temple. Um, better not intrude on Captain Cranmer, So I, I don't think we're going to hear from those two guys, but maybe the order of the white rose might come up again. And if they do, I can imagine that they're going to give Geralt a hard time, but yeah, they're oh, they sucked. <laughs> I don't want to hear from them again. I don't want them to be in the books in the future, but you always have to have a bad guy. So maybe they will. I do wonder what characters we're going to see again. Um, some of the characters that we've met in this book, I wonder if we'll see Yennefer and i think that it's very likely because she was obviously a big deal. Geralt and Yennefer's relationship was something that had a huge impact on him. It's not even really talked about a lot, but the way that it's talked about, you you really get a sense for how much she means to him as a person and as a lover. Um, Sure, we'll see Dandelion again. He's Uh, It Actually, it's funny because it took a while for them to introduce him. He was mentioned, and it was like a very brief mention in one of the earlier chapters, one of the earlier Voice of Reason chapters. And then he shows up in the fifth story in the fifth chapter, but he's in every story after that. I mean, I guess there was just the two stories after that, but still, he was pretty involved. And then he was in this chapter also. I wonder if we'll see any of these other characters again, though. Some of them, I think it's safe to say it doesn't seem likely. Like Nivellin, I really can't imagine why they would bring him back. But some of these other people, like the Royals, like uh, Foltest, Calanthe, we at the very least, we might hear mention of them again. Calanthe, Geralt had that whole thing going with the child surprise. So Calanthe, Pavetta, Dooney... He said he would never go back, but it was just weird that he would invoke the law of surprise. And then shortly after the child was supposed to be born, he's just like, eh, I want nothing to do with that. I'm never going back there. But yeah, maybe it was just, uh, you know, it was just a way to, to get us to learn more about Geralt. Anyway, the death prophecy was a bit of a cliffhanger. Um, it was pretty vague, so it could mean Geralt's death, it could mean someone close to him, probably not him since it's this is just the beginning of a whole series. But yeah, uh, that was kind of the only cliffhanger we were left with at the end of this book. So it makes us interested to see what's going to happen in the next book, or maybe any time within the next, uh, what are there, seven books and eight books? Yeah, I think eight books in total. I know one of them is a prequel, but either way. Uh, Yeah, so like I said at the very beginning, this is going to be a short episode, and it looks like I've been recording for, yeah, uh, actually a little bit longer than I expected. So uh, I know I always say if you've listened this far, thank you so much for listening. But I mean, you probably, this wasn't a long time to listen. Next episode, Sword of Destiny. I'm so excited. The first story is called, Bounds of Reason. And it's such a fun story. I'm biased. So I love all the short stories. I love these books. But the Bounds of Reason, it's just so fun. You'll you'll see. We'll talk about it very soon. (laughs) Okay. Well, yes. uh, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I really do appreciate it. If you have listened to all seven episodes so far, I mean, through the entire first book, I, I am actually very grateful. So thank you so much and goodbye.